Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. In this season of making light in the darkness, we were plunged into darkness. The intersection of madness and guns has once again wrought incalculable suffering. Six adults and 20 20 children, 20 children are dead. But I do not have the heart this morning to preach a sermon about madness or guns. This is a sermon about hope. Here is poet Jan L. Richardson's How the Light Comes. I cannot tell you how the light comes. What I know is that it is more ancient than imagining, that it travels across an astounding expanse to reach us, that it loves searching out what is hidden, what is lost, what is forgotten, what is in peril or in pain that it has a fondness for the body, for finding its way toward flesh, for tracing the edges of form, for shining forth through the eye, the hand, the heart. I cannot tell you how the light comes, but that it does, that it will that it works its ways into the deepest dark that enfolds you, though it may seem long ages in coming, or arrive in a shape you did not foresee. And so may we this day turn ourselves toward it. May we lift our faces to let it find us. May we open and open more and open still to the blessed light that will come. On Friday evening, I sent out the link to the website called We the People to a petition calling on President Obama's administration to address the issue of gun control through the introduction of legislation in Congress. We the People petitions need 25,000 signatures before the White House will respond to them. As of early this morning, the petition had over 114,000 signatures. There is reason to be hopeful. I want to share with you three stories that point to an ultimately hopeful view of the unfolding of our lives and of history itself. I tell them this morning because whether or not it is true, we will be better for throwing our weight to the side of a long view of hope 
acting as if we believe, as 19th century Unitarian minister and abolitionist Theodore Parker wrote, that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. The first story is from the annals of women's strike for peace, the first great anti-nuclear movement in the United States, the one, as activist and author Rebecca Solnit tells it, that did contribute to a major victory, the end in 1963 of above ground nuclear testing and so the end of the radioactive fallout that was showing up in mother's milk and baby's teeth. Positioning themselves as housewives and using humor as their weapon, members of Women's Strike for Peace told of how foolish and futile they felt standing in the rain one morning protesting at the Kennedy White House. And then years later, one of them heard pediatrician Dr. Benjamin Spock, who had become one of the most high-profile activists on this issue, say that the turning point for him was spotting a small group of women standing in the rain protesting at the White House. If they were so passionately committed, he said, he should give the issue more consideration himself. Hope. The essence of chaos theory is something called sensitive dependence on initial conditions. This means that a very small perturbation or change in a system can have a profound effect that tiny local actions can have widespread, far-off, complex consequences. Exactly 40 years ago, MIT meteorologist Edward Lorenz gave a talk at the American Association for the Advancement of Science entitled, Predictability. Does the flap of a butterfly's wings in Brazil set off a tornado in Texas? This idea and illustration of the chaos theory is what we know today as the butterfly effect. The seventh principle of Unitarian Universalism is the butterfly effect principle, celebrating our deep interconnection with every other living being. Everything we do makes a difference. So here's the second story about taking that long view of hope and an ultimately hopeful view of the unfolding of our lives and of history itself. Sharon Salzberg, one of my Buddhist teachers, writes of her teacher, Upandita was leading a three-month retreat. He gave unusually extensive talks translated by a superb interpreter. Later, several friends and I decided to put out a book based on the course. We raised money for the transcription and found an interested publisher. Writer Kate Wheeler turned what was basically an oral transmission of classical Asian Buddhism into a manuscript that would honor that tradition while also engaging the Western mind. She did a wonderful job, and the book, titled In This Very Life, was published. 
At the time of the publication, Sharon says, I thought, well, we've done something good, something that honored our teacher and that will be of some small service. It's not going to be a bestseller, but it does express a certain teaching through very clear language, and it's really an excellent vehicle for the limited impact it will have. I more or less put it in the minor good deed category in my mind, she says. And now for the turn in the story. In 1989, Aung San Suu Kyi, leader of the pro-democracy movement in Burma, was placed under house arrest for her political activities. Her sons were 16 and 12. She would not see them or her husband for many years. Refusing to accept anything from the military, at times she didn't even have enough money for food, and at one point she became so weak that she couldn't get out of bed. During the six years she was under that phase of house arrest, the military offered her many opportunities to leave Burma, but it was clear that if she left, she would not be allowed back in. By staying, she knew that she would continue to be a symbol of hope for democracy for the people of Burma, so she chose to remain, which won her the Nobel Peace Prize awarded to her while she was still imprisoned. For a brief period, the military released Aung San Suu Kyi before confining her again, and she was able to speak and write about her experience. In discussing her spiritual life, she wrote, the spiritual dimension became particularly important in a struggle in which deeply held convictions and strength of mind are the chief weapons against armed repression. She related how her attempts at meditation had foundered due to lack of instruction. She would sit on her bed, gritting her teeth, trying to practice, but would only become more agitated. And then her husband sent her a book that changed everything. Through it, she learned to meditate and became her main source of spiritual support through those intensely difficult years. That book was Upandita's in this very life. Hope. And here's the third and final story. Yesterday afternoon, one of the guests on a special WNYC public radio broadcast was Connie Sanders, daughter of Dave Sanders, the teacher who in April of 1999 was the only adult killed in the Columbine High School shooting. Connie Sanders is an expert in the trauma of losing a loved one to violence, followed by the prolonged agony of being forced to grieve in front of television cameras. She says, people kept saying to us, be strong, be strong. But that was wrong. It made us feel that we couldn't breathe. I learned that it was okay to be weak. I learned, she said, that to be defined by Columbine is to let the killers win. Don't let that terrible day define you. It's so important to see yourself as someone who has been through tragedy, not as someone who is the tragedy. 
But Connie Sanders wasn't on air to be re-traumatized by Friday's Sandy Hook Elementary School shootings. She was on air because she is now a forensic psychologist and was answering questions about how to support our children, the importance of assuring them over and over again that they are safe. Connie Sanders now works with people with criminal histories. My personal battle, she says, is against violence. If I can teach one person to turn away from violence, I will have honored my dad. Hope. Women strike for peace in the pouring rain, and Dr. Spock is moved to activism. Two Buddhist students work to honor their teacher with some small service, and the leader of a free Burma is uplifted and upheld by their work. And a young woman whose father was gunned down transformed that unspeakable tragedy in her life into a tremendous capacity to help others who have been traumatized as she was. Hope. Beloved spiritual companions, may these stories give us a reason to be hopeful. Give us hope that inspires us to act as if it makes a difference that we act, inspires us to act seeking to copy the rotation of the earth, turning from darkness to light. I cannot tell you how the light comes, but that it does, that it will, that it works its way into the deepest dark that enfolds you, though it may seem long ages in coming or arrive in a shape you did not foresee. May we, this day, turn ourselves toward it. May we lift our faces to let it find us. May we open and open more and open still to the blessed light that comes. <laughs>